Welcome to the Intentional Queen podcast with your host, Janine, where women come to be empowered and to level up themselves on their self-love, self-healing, and growth mindset journey to restoration. Man, listen, we just had my podcast anniversary. It was a blessing. We had three bomb queens come out and celebrate with me. We had a live and people came through. They shared it with some good friends. I got so much good feedback. I'm actually getting ready to introduce a guest, but before I even do that, I have had people texting me and letting me know how blessed they were about it. It's October. So, you know, Halloween is coming up and, you know, I could not, not do an episode kind of related to that. So I got Mr. Robert back on the podcast. Y'all asked for him. He was with us on the SOAR series, S-O-A-R, where we talked about eagles and flying and we talked about the triple C's and all types of stuff. So definitely go back and check out those episodes under the SOAR series where me and Robert were talking about a lot. And I want y'all to go ahead and listen to the current episodes that are out. We've been talking about breaking free and tips to authentically being you. And that was a winner. Actually, a couple of my YouTube listeners put some comments up. So we're international now. It's a blessing. And that podcast anniversary happened. And I'm just grateful to be here with you guys one year later and flying free through the stages of a butterfly, as y'all know. We start out with the caterpillar, then we cocoon, and then we go through the process of being a butterfly and flying out there, but it takes time. So without further ado, guys, I want you guys to get your notebook because we always come with something for y'all, some wisdom nuggets. I got Robert here. Robert, why don't you go ahead and say hi to the people who don't know you? (laughs) Well, well, hi to everyone that doesn't know me and to those that do. Hello to you as well. Um, Thank you for having me back. Yeah, so he was specially requested back if you see some of the Apple podcast reviews. So, you know, I wanted to have my brother come back and we sat here and we chatted about what could we bring that's going to fall into the self-love, self-healing or growth mindset journey of things. And we came up with something called presentation is not always a true representation. We don't know what we're going to title this thing, but we got an angle that we come in and I hope you guys are ready to just enjoy what we have coming on. So Robert, let's get into our conversation. And when me and you were talking, because we didn't been through some things, I want to talk about the first thing, foundation and doing the work. And how does that relate to growth of how we have progressed in life as siblings? We also have another brother, like talk to me about what is the importance of the foundation and doing the work? Talk to me about it. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think for me, when it comes to that, you know how people say you should be positive, right? People should be positive. You should be positive. That being said, you can have a yes, I can attitude, but a no, I can't aptitude. Mm. So so that means to your point of putting in the work, because it starts with your attitude, right? Being positive, but you still have to develop those competencies to execute upon the things that you want to do, whatever that is. And so kind of knowing where you are, engaging your competency level at whatever you're trying to achieve, you have to put that work in. You have to be intentional about it. Again, your podcast, right? You got to be intentional about it. I'm on now, intentional, yes. Yeah, exactly. And very very deliberate. And so there's different ways you can do that. But it's important. Oh, I love that. 
that was one of the questions that I asked Robert because, you know, we've been talking about that on the podcast so much. And I feel like people don't understand there's work to be done when you build and you start out with a solid foundation because you can build on that for later and it gives you some stability. And Robert, I got another question for you. What do you think about in relationships with accountability? Mm, what do I think about with accountability? That's mm-hmm. a great question too. Huh. Well, you know what? I think when it comes to accountability, mm-hmm. you can't delegate that. Mm, too you can delegate. You can delegate responsibility, but you can't delegate accountability. Mm. Y'all take notes on that one right there. That's for somebody right there. Go ahead, keep going. And so that being said, I may say, "Hey, can you take care of this for me?" And if that person doesn't deliver on that. I'm still accountable for that. Even though I delegated the responsibility for them to take care of it for me, Mm. I own that. Mm. So in a relationship, if there's times where, whether it be my partner or, you know, your husband, your wife says, hey, you're going to take care of something and you own it. You take ownership. That's what I think about accountability, ownership. You take ownership of it, but then you give it to somebody else to execute for you. You say, hey, can you run down here? You know, my, my wife said I need to take care of this. Can you can you run down here and grab this for me? Mm-hmm. If you come home and you don't have the item, you can't blame someone else for that item you don't have mm-hmm. because you're accountable for delivering that item home. But okay. you delegated that responsibility to someone else. That's good. So that leads us further into, like we said, this is presentation is not always a true representation. My brother's a really good storyteller, and he had a story that he was sharing with me a while ago, but I feel like this is for some queens. So, Robert, go ahead and get into this story, and let's talk about um, Mr. Wright, and I forget the rest of it, but you're going to be able to tell him what it is. Go on and do it. <laughs> yeah, so, so just so that we can protect the identity of the innocent and the guilty when All we right. do story time, we will have what they call Mr. Wright. Mm-hmm. And we'll have Mrs. Jones. All right. And Mrs. you know, who, who knows? Yeah, Mrs. Jones. So we have Mrs. Jones and we have Mr. Wright. All right. Um, so, I want, so I'm going to tell you a little story because I remember we were talking about that. We we're talking about art and all type of things. So we can get into that conversation. But mm-hmm. let's start with Mr. Mr. Wright and Mrs. Jones. Mr. Wright had met Ms., Mrs. Jones on a, on a business trip. Mm-hmm. He was traveling. He met Mrs. Jones. Beautiful person spiritually, physically, mentally, she was, she was awesome, but she lived in the Midwest. And so as time went on through their conversations, Mrs. Jones wanted to visit the East coast. So Mr. Rice said, where would you like to go? Cause she had never been to the East coast. She said, I want to go to the Barnes foundation. Now she said, it's in Philadelphia. And Mr. Wright had no clue of what that was. So he had to Google. So he starts Googling. What is the Barnes Foundation? (laughs) So she gives him some background on the fact that it's a museum, an art museum. He does his due diligence. He's looking it up. He says, sure, we can do that. So he gets on there. He looks online. He he looks at the time she's flying in and when's a good time they could visit. Mm -hmm. So he orders some tickets. Mm -hmm. He coordinates it, right? Organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he, he orders the ticket. He said, yeah, we're, we're good. We're good to go. So she flies in. 
they go up. This is in Philadelphia around the, I think, Benja Benjamin Franklin Parkway mm -hmm. up in Philadelphia, new to Mr. Wright. Mm -hmm. And uh, they go in. It's about, it's a little later in the evening, about five-ish, around five-ish is when they get there on a Saturday. Now, she's done looked this up. She knew all about this. She's really into art. She's artsy. She realized that they close at about 530. So if they're going at five and they close about 530 in her mind, she's thinking either he's just ill, Ill prepared mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or he just doesn't realize they're about to close. So they get there, but she doesn't say anything. She keeps it to herself. They drive in, they go in, they get greeted. When they walk through the door, they say, hey, you're Mr. Wright. He says, yes. You know, they give him some tags that you put over your neck, mm -hmm. you know, like a VIP pass backstage type of pass. And then they walk through beautiful, beautiful, beautiful space. And I believe it was Albert uh, Barnes who owned like his, it's all his artwork. And he was a great, he was a collector of many, many arts, like original Van Gogh's. He had them in there, millions and millions of dollars worth of art mm -hmm. that he, when he passed away, he said, you cannot sell it. You need to show it basically to the world. That was, that was a part of his, his endowment that, that he expected upon him passing. So, so we go in, they got the lobby for Mr. Wright and mm -hmm. Mrs. Jones, right? They go in, there's people, uh, they, they get greeted. They get greeted when they go through the lobby and somebody whispers into Mr. Wright's ear something. And he says, fine, that, that works for me. And then they start to navigate the museum. Beautiful, beautiful museum. You have, uh, like I said, Van Gogh's on the wall, real live Van Gogh's. You have, you have Renoir's. You have all type of art, all right. African art, right? Now, and there's people still moving around inside the museum until about 5.30. Now she's thinking, oh my God, it's just about to close. But what she didn't realize is she had a tag on her neck and she did not have to leave Mrs. Jones. Everybody else was being escorted out by security. But, you know, they come over the, the speaker, the speaker mm -hmm. and then they said, hey, then they start to walk people out. So so one young lady said, but they can stay. Why are they still here? And the security said, well, they're different. Mm -hmm. you, you have to they have a tag around their neck. They're different. You, you have to be escorted out. So she gets escorted out. And there, there's a person that's walking them all around the museum. And they're the only ones left. Okay. Everybody had to guide. leave. It's okay. just, got they, it, they got a tour guide and it's just Mr. Jo Mr. Wright and Mrs. Jones walking around upstairs, downstairs, seeing everything. They had certain windows with certain tents just so it wouldn't mess up the paint. And they had automatic blinds that would come on. It was amazing. She was so excited because she's getting a tour with a guide with just her and Mr. Wright in the whole museum. She can take as long as she wants. It's, it's as long as she wants. She's asking questions. She's fascinated. He's fascinated. Mm -hmm. Security, as they walk around, security is giving him nod, head nods like, man, I see you. Now, I don't know if it meant I see you with the beautiful young lady or I see you because it's just the two of you in this exclusive museum by yourselves being escorted around mm -hmm. when we're closed. Mm -hmm. They finish up, they walk through, they get to the end of the museum. They, they see everything. He shakes, he shakes the hand of the guide. They thank the guide. They ask, they ask them, do they want something to drink, whatever they need? And they said, no, we're great. It was amazing. Thank you very much. They gave them some trinkets. 
I think they call it like swag with like a, a, a name on it, you know, something with like the Barnes Foundation name, things of that nature, and they leave, right? So that's the story. How would you feel if, if, that, if you've experienced something like that, where it's mm -hmm. like he bought the museum out for you? Listen, that's like a little fairy tale action right there. You thinking it's going to close. <laughs> and you know, people leaving. You're like, oh, we still here? We staying? Oh, we got special tags. We VIP today. It's that prime treatment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Back right. to our Eagle Sword series. Is that is that a branch? He just threw that in. That's not a twig. That's a, that's a branch <laughs> or a log. But keep going. Right. Right. And this is based on a true story. Okay. That's why we want Mr. Wright and Mrs. Jones. We have to protect the, the innocent and the guilty. So. That was the presentation. Mm -hmm. But now I'm going to tell you the true representation. Let me tell you what actually happened. Okay, tell me what happened. That whole story happened the way I said it happened. However, there were some little details that I omitted. So I'm going to share those. Mm -hmm. When the guy whispered in his ear something, what the guy said was, hey, you are the only two that signed up for this tour. Nobody else signed up, so to just be you two, are you okay with that? Mm. And he said, oh, no, that works for me. Out of the universe, it worked in his favor that nobody else showed up and paid the extra money. Mm. So it just ended up being them two. Mm. Now, his date didn't know that, but that's what actually happened. Mm. When he now. bought the tickets, he bought the tickets. Let's just say the tickets were $40 a ticket just for regular admission. He might have paid $80 a ticket. So for $80 a ticket, and, and due to the way things lined up, he well. had it all to himself with him and Mrs. Jones. And they treated them like they were kings and queens as they navigated that building of millions and millions of dollars worth of original artwork. So again, the presentation wasn't a true representation of what actually happened to make that happen, but it was what it was, right? She, she did experience that. He did experience that. They went through that, but it was out of um, the universe working in their favor. So like you said, you felt, when you heard it, you felt a certain way. It felt like luxury right there. That felt a little luxury. Yeah, it felt like mm -hmm. he went above and beyond. Mm -hmm. it, it, mm -hmm. it felt like uh, he bought all this for me. He, 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 he made sure that he, he shut it just so I could have my individual time. Well, really all Mr. Wright did was make sure she had a guide so she could ask questions. And it just so happened that it, it ended up being just them in that museum, which was a beautiful, to my understanding, it was a beautiful experience. That probably would not happen that way again if somebody else decides to sign up for the package right. to be guided. So right? it worked out good, that early bird. It worked out. Yeah, yeah. listen, reading, reading the website and saying, let me get a yes, guide because yes. I don't know nothing about this Barnes Institute. Okay, exactly. I like that. It, mm -hmm. Exactly, but it worked out the way it needed to. And we also have to be opportunists, right? Something works out the way you need to. Like, oh man, this is great. Now, if it was three or four couples, it still would have been great. I just think the fact that it ended up just being two individuals, though, it just made it that much. It made it special yeah, it made because it that's what brand. you see on TV. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what they paint on TV, right? Oh, a man buys out the restaurant or he buys out the, the museum, <laughs> right? That's something that they, they see. Yeah, but again, yeah. Yeah. presentation is not always a true representation of mm. what's actually happening. And mm -hmm. so I think that's a perfect segue to, to, to where I want to go today. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to let you run it. I hope y'all taking notes. Go ahead, Robert. Go ahead. Now you're on a roll. Go ahead. Okay. So, so let's talk about art. When you think about art, we're all artsy in our own way, right? We all are art artistic, meaning we have visions. We, we express ourselves. Some people sing. Some people are poets. You know, some people are 
into fashion. Like there, we all have this ability to be creative. Mm-hmm. We're all creative. So when you think about that in regards of a relationship, there's times where you may come up with different things, like things you see, like vision of what could be, what should be, what you see, your interpretation of things. So when you think about art, art is left to an interpretation. Right. So that's the same thing in a relationship. It's, it's, it's left to interpretation. When we're in relationships, we may paint pictures of what we want things to be or what we see. And mm. people may not see the same thing, just like with art. Mm. They may not see the same thing you see. They may envision something similar, but not the same. Art mm. also brings about a certain feeling in us. So there's certain things we do that bring about a certain feeling inside of us that may not bring that same feeling out of someone else. Right. Because we learn through association. A, B, C, D. Right. When we go to school, they say A for apple, B for ball, C for cat. The way we learn, the way we're taught is through association of something. So there are certain things we say and there are certain things we do that people associate with something else. We don't always know that. We don't always know. So if I say I love you, someone may associate that with something else. Someone may associate that with a hug. Because that's when somebody hugged them, they always told them they loved them when they did a hug. So that's their association. Some other people may associate that with a hit, depending on, you know, because sometimes when we were young, uh, we're going to put mommy out there real quick. When she was, you know, she might beat my butt for doing something bad. You know, she may tell me I did that because I love you. So sometimes people are hard on you because they love you. So again, you may associate love with someone being hard on you. Even though their intent is good, you just never know. So when you're conversating with people, you may say a word, you may do an action, and they associate it with something different than what you intended. It's not personal. It's just the way we are as humans. So just keep that in mind. You may say something. They may assume they know what you mean, but you don't mean the same thing. You're using the same word with different meanings. So it's always good to kind of think about that. So let's, let's go down this path of artistry. Mm, okay. Right. I think that's perfect. When are, you know, we're when, in October right now with Halloween, so costumes <laughs> and masks. Go ahead now. Run these artists down. I'm ready. Right. So so let's talk about artists. So when are artists most valuable? When 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 do people really value an artist? They value them when they're no longer around. Mm. Again, when is an artist most valuable? When they're no longer around. That's when their artwork becomes super valuable. Why is that? Scarcity. Mm-hmm. See, you can't get it when no you're more. no longer, yeah. come on now, you can't get it no more. So you may be in a relationship mm. and you may be painting pictures and trying to show people what it could be. And y'all, you're expressing yourself the way you express yourself. Not saying it's always received in a positive way. Mm-hmm. But then when you're no longer around, you're missed. The reason you're missed is because your artistry is missed. Remember, scarcity. scarcity so sometimes you take for granted scarcity because when it's always around and it's readily available, it may not be appreciated. It may not be as valued the same, but when it's scarce, those little bits and pieces of dreams and uh, memories and everything, they become so much more valuable to someone when scarcity. When we lose a loved one, we think about all the things we missed because of the scarcity. So I say that to say we are all artists in our own right. And just because the way you paint your pictures or the way you you move, it may not be well rece- received right now or perceived in a positive way. Doesn't mean there's not value to your art, meaning that it's not value to you, but it's just to understand sometimes it's not value- valuable until it's scarce, until it's not readily available. 
And most people don't value on what things are worth. Most people base value on what they want. It's a difference. Mm. I'm gonna say that again. Most people don't base value on the thing on what things are worth. They base value on on the things they want. Mm. So let's use a house as an example. If I go see a house, and I really really want this house, let's just say you fall in love with a house. You love the floors. You love the kitchen. You love everything. And they tell you this house is on sale for three hundred thousand, but uh, we have three other buyers. And you done went on uh, Zillow. You done did your, your 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 market analysis. You said, "Listen, this house is probably only worth about three, uh, two 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 ninety. They're asking three hundred. You know, you you done fell all into it, right? You said, "Oh, this is beautiful. I love. I don't have to do anything in here." And then they tell you we have three other offers. Now, the value is two ninety. Mm-hmm. However, you want it. Don't value things on what they're worth. We value things on what we want. And we're willing to overbid the people that bid before us. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, how much is what's the last bid? What's the last offer? Okay, I'll give you $350. Now, again, you already know. That's tonight. I'll, yeah. give, I'll give you $350. I, I want this house. Now, there is a limit where you say, no longer, I'm not going that high. But you will do more than really the value. And it's so it's to understand that, mm-hmm. that that's the way our mind tends to work. We don't always value things for what they were. We value things for what we want. And so just keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind as you're navigating. Mm, so I want, I want to give you good. a story. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, ask me a question because I, I'm okay if you got questions. Because you no, know I can get I just, this going. No, I just thought that was really good because we will spend or do what we want when it's something that we really do want. If we don't want it, we're not going to go the extra mile. We're like, listen, it ain't worth all that. But if it's something we want, we will go over and beyond because we know that is what we want. So I think the worth versus the want is really good there because sometimes it's not worth that, but you want it. I think what I also want you to talk about, because we talked about that in the source series and um, what's the definition of insanity? Run that one more time for me. The definition of, of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, hoping to get a different result. And what I mean by that, that was a good one, because I feel like um, when you can be in relationships and you're doing that same thing over and over, even though, you know, the worth may not be that, but it's something you want. You'll just keep doing it over and over till you get to a point you be like, listen, right here, I'm just going to step off this ride right here and keep moving. So sometimes I think when we talk about worth and want, that also talks about what are you participating in when you're doing a relationship and doing, um, then I, then you say something about triple C, something coincide, complement, contradict. Was I right with the three C's yeah. right there? So, so, so the triple, the triple C's were where you're talking about dreams and mm-hmm. looking at alignment mm-hmm. and do your dreams complement each other, contradict each other, or can they just coexist? Mm-hmm. And those were the triple C's. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, I ma'am. think that's good when we talk about here, what you're trying to paint and the representation. I think I'm just trying to bring it all together because I feel like there's a lot you got to analyze. Like we said, when we looking at the Zillow of the house and you're looking at what it's worth and all these things, because when you're making these maneuvers, you do have to do a full analysis. And sometimes we can be blinded by what we want and not really looking at the facts. I had the podcast anniversary recently and one of the women said feelings are not facts. And sometimes we get so stuck on what we feel because when you're walking through that home, you all glowing. That's a feeling, okay? Oh, it feel all good. But you might get in that house 
and be there for a little bit and then you don't even like the house like that no more and I think you said to me I think it was you feelings are fleeting right so that's for mm -hmm. somebody right there mm -hmm. but I'm gonna let you get back at it yeah yeah just to touch on that feelings are fleeting but that's that's usually when you're selling something they like to tap into our our feeling right the reason they want and I like to call it our heartstrings the reason they like to tap into our heartstrings is so that they can pull on our purse strings. I'm gonna say that again. The reason they like to tap into our heartstrings is so they can pull on our purse strings. So when you think about going out and getting a ring, right? They, that's an emotional moment when you're looking mm -hmm. for your engagement ring. They know that in the store. That's why, now the man comes and he might see a ring and say, all right, I can do that. But they'll say, oh, we got one more in the back. Now he knows, hold on, why are you bringing that out? That's what the man said, don't bring that out. What you doing? Because soon as she sees it, She's gonna want the bigger ring. Again, tap into the woman's heartstrings, so then you can pull on them purse strings. They do it with a house. They do it with a house, right? They bring you in the house. That's why they say, oh, just come see the house. We're gonna walk you around. We're gonna show you the granite countertops. And we're gonna show, you see that, that you see that light in that shower? You know it's a radio in there too. Hit that button, it's Bluetooth. Next thing you know, you're like, I can play, I can play my podcast, Intentional Queen, in the shower in the morning. I got heated, <laughs> heated marble floors. Yeah, heat, heat on the floor. Right? Yeah, step yeah, out, yeah, yeah. When you step out, exactly. And when you understand selling and you understand upselling, you do understand why they want to hit you in your um, heartstrings. When you go to a car dealer and they say, you know, taste, take it for a test drive. Yeah, you see, you might look at it and it looks nice, but once you sit in that thing and, it, and you sink, sit, sink in that seat, and you put your arm on a steering wheel and it just feels Open right. the sunroof. They turn you up. say power 99 <laughs> and the radio just kicks on. You ain't got to touch a knob. Next thing you know, you said, man, I think I love this car. Again, it hits you more emotional, right? That's, that's what happens in selling. And we all are artists in our own right. And we all are selling our visions of who we are, where we want to go, where we want to be. And so once you know what selling is, you're able to then tap in and realize, is this an emotional reaction or is this, a, is this coming from a place of logic? And I'm not saying we shouldn't be in tune to our feelings because we should. We should be in tune to what we feel, but not necessarily let that dictate everything we do yeah, because people are yeah. intentionally trying to do that right. When you go to the movie theater and you're just sitting there and you, you hear them crack that can open and they go click and it goes, hmm. not all of a sudden you're thirsty. That's what that is. They primed you to be thirsty. They show you popcorn on a roller coaster and all that to make you hungry. This see a lot of these things are done intentionally. Visual. So once yeah. you understand that, exactly, we're visual. So 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 I agree with you there. So that that's true. That's true. So let's so let's talk about that. Let's talk about value because there was a story I I heard one time. So this story is coming through me, not from from me. So I want to give credit where credit's due. I don't remember the actual person I heard it from, but I do remember it. So it didn't come from me, but it's coming through me. There was a, there was a guy, he was, uh, he was older. He was laying on his deathbed and he was talking to his son. And he told his son, he said, son, I have this family heirloom. I want you to take it and, and see what it's worth. So he gave him this watch. It was an old beat up watch that was rusted. It did not work, um, but he gave it to his son. He said, son, can you go see what that's, this is worth? And then go down to the dude at the hot dog stand and come back and tell me what he told you was worth. So the son says, dad, what do you mean? This, this is broken. Nobody wants this. Why am I going to a hot dog stand? 
He said, son, please go to the hot dog stand, see what they'll give you and come back to me. This is my last request. Mm -hmm. So the son goes down, goes down to the hot dog stand and says, hey, uh, my dad's on his deathbed and he really wants me to see what this worth. We need some money. Can you give me some money for this? So the guy at the hot dog stand said, I don't want this watch. This watch don't even work. He said, but my dad's on his deathbed. He said, you know what? Just because of that, I'll give you 50 cents. I'll give you 50 cents and a hot dog and a drink for it. And he said, okay. He didn't take it. He went back up to his dad. He said, dad, he's only going to give me 50 cents and a hot dog and a soda for it. He said, well, son, do me a favor. Take it to the pawn shop. See what it's worth. So the son takes it to the pawn shop. He said, hey, you know, this is a family heirloom. You know, my dad's on the deathbed. I want to go ahead and see what this is worth. Are you willing to give me some money for this? So the guy looked at it. Said, ah, I don't know. It's broken. Doesn't work. So let me let me look at it. Let me think about it. And he thought about it. He said, look, I'll give you $50. He said, $50? He said, yeah, I'll give you about $50. Matter of fact, I'll give you 100 right now, and then we can just call it a day. I'll give you $100. How about that? He said, uh, let me talk to my dad. So he goes back to his dad. He said, hey, the pawn shop wanted to give me $100 for that. He said, all right, son, do me a favor. Take that to the museum down the street and see what they'll give you for it. He said, dad, why you got me running all around? He said, son, listen to what I'm trying to do. Just, just please go to the museum and see what it's worth. So the son takes it to the museum. He asked the curator, hey, you know, this is a family heirloom. Uh, my dad's on his deathbed. I want to see what this is valued at. Can you help me the value of this watch? So the guy says, let me take a look. He looks at it. He looks it over. He goes and, and, and picks up a book. He brings this book out, old book, and he's turning pages and he's looking through it. And he, and he actually realizes it's a 19th century watch. And it's some fancy, fancy type of watch. He said, son, this watch is worth about $300,000. And he said, mm -hmm. really? He mm -hmm. said, yeah, it's worth about $300,000. It's a 19th century such and such, whatever they are, right? So then he goes back to his dad. He said, hey, the museum will give me $300,000. He said, son, do you know what I just taught you? This is my last lesson for you. Do you know what I just taught you? He said, no. He said, I want you to understand if you're not valued somewhere, you don't beg them to value you. You mm -hmm. go somewhere else where your value can be appreciated. Who snap? Say it one more time for the person to back. What was the lesson that daddy said? No, I heard it, but I know people need to hear that one more time. Go ahead. The, the lesson that dad said, if he, he said, son, I want you to understand if you are somewhere and you're not valued, you don't beg them to value you. You go somewhere else where you can be valued. So mm. if the hot dog stand doesn't appreciate the value you bring and the pawn shop doesn't appreciate the value you bring, it doesn't mean there's a museum that has a clear understanding of what you are, what you bring, and what value you add. Mm. Because again, most people don't base value on what things are worth. They base value on what they want. Mm, that's so good. And then I think what I started thinking about is look at all the patience. That was time the son had to keep going around. That was time. So sometimes we not wait patient enough. So if the son got impatient, he could have stopped at the hot dog or at the pawn shop because he believes I'm not going to keep running around here. I'm tired. And so then you can settle. And we talked about settling on our source series as well. So, yes, that's real good right there. That's real good. That's going to get somebody right there. I hope y'all taking notes. Now, I know you wanted to break down. You had a few artists that you wanted to, like, break down. So you want to jump into that? Yeah, we can talk about that. <clears throat> we can talk about that. But before we talk about that, I'm going to tell you why that watch was valuable. 
Okay. That watch was valuable based upon scarcity. Mm. I wanted to take it back there one more time. Mm. Scarcity. When are artists truly valued? When they're no longer around. So things like real estate, when it's no longer available, the property value goes up. So, so there's power and scarcity. Just keep that in mind. You know, you there might start receiving calls. There is power and scarcity. That there is power in it. And this is not something we're creating. This is something that exists. It's universal. Mm-hmm. If, I have a, a, if I have a diamond in my hand and then I have some coal in my other hand and somebody asks me, well, what, what, what is more valuable to you? The coal or the diamond? I would say it depends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I'm cold, I need something that can heat me up because what's the good, what's the use of a diamond if nobody's willing to pay for it? That's not going to help me stay warm. It depends on the situation. And it's just understanding that. But, but I want to, I keep bringing up the value thing because I want people to understand we have net worth and then we have self-worth. You know, some people don't understand the self-worth and they really don't understand the net worth, but that's a financial conversation that we can, we can get into at some point. Made me think about, cause you know, we've been seeing the, the, what is it? The high valued woman or the, <laughs> you know what I mean? So about you know, Samuels. yeah, you know. high, high value man. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. You need to know yourself yeah. worse. We just going to chuckle on that. But you know, when you said yeah, that, will. it made me think about that. That's been a topic of contention. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, it is. You, you're not going to bait me into that conversation. I'm, no, you're not going to bait me into that today. I'm not going <laughs> to. But, you know, when you kind of said that, I was like, oh, listen, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. You keep it going. You keep it going. I think the conversation is good. It's developing. I really heard you. There is power and scarcity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's another type of artist that exists. And, and, you know, this type of artist is what they call a con artist. So what does that mean? I think people know what that means, but but I'm gonna say this. What a con artist does is they take truth and lies and they mix it together. So it sounds really good. Sounds true. Word you know, salad. It's, it's, mm. it's, exactly. It sounds like everything you want it to be because they took some truth, you know what I mean? And sprinkled, sprinkled the lies in and stirred it all up. It tastes really good. So there's power and understanding and being able to decipher what you're around. Am I around a true artist or am I around a con artist? It's a difference because again, you can have a yes, I can attitude, but a no, I can't aptitude. And so again, is this a artist or is this a con artist? Oh, it made me think about with the kids, you know, I got the, you know, your nephew and I don't want him out here using oil-based paints in my house and making a mess. So, you know, he gets watercolor paints because we know we can wash those away. And when you start talking about con artists, you know, it made me start thinking about there are different types of paint that the artists use. Hmm. That is that. Now, listen, now you're on to something. I think this is, this is perfect. That was a perfect segue Mm -hmm. because just using your example, uh, when a con artist uses water-based paint, Mm-hmm. you can see through that a little bit. That doesn't require as much energy for you to see through, okay? But if they use something a little thicker, like oil-based paint, well, it requires something a little stronger, and a, little, a little stronger like turpentine. You know, you need something a little bit stronger to get that off, to see through that. And guess what happens after you use turpentine? Even when you get the paint off, there's still a mark left. So, mm-hmm. so what mark is that? That's the mark that's left on you. 
okay? The mark that's left on you from that experience of dealing with the con artist, all right? The pain is gone, but the evidence is not. Because again, we're the accumulation of our experiences. We are the manifestation of our experiences. And so there's things, again, that we associate with different words and different actions based on our experiences. So if you've dealt with a con artist in your life, there's certain things that they left an impact on you, even though you might have been able to get some turpentine and get that off. That's still that 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 experience is still right. Mm -hmm. That evidence is still there. And so that's why we want to really try to be as present as we can but aware, present in the moment, but aware. Because if I base everything I'm doing today about from things I experienced in the past, that means I'm really living in the past. And I don't wanna be doing that. I wanna kinda take the moment, explore what the moment is, engage in the relationship and truly see what is here, not what I've been through. Mm, I brought that up when I was doing my um, lessons that I learned this year in podcasting in my journey. And I said, you know, about the rear view mirror is small for a reason for you to glance back, but you need to be present in the moment forward. You can't keep glancing back because you will get tripped up. How can you drive your car looking back? And then that means you're not present in the beginning. And as you start saying that, I think with the residue, I also thought about, I think you said it too, good, bad, and indifferent. Thank you. That residue makes a lesson there's a lesson learned there you know of what you're going to do what you're not going to do or whatever but there was a lesson there but it also ties back to what we talked about with accountability and sometimes people don't want to take accountability for the position that they played and sometimes your position could be what you didn't do or you can your position could be what you did do so accountability can be a rough one that i think people have a hard time swallowing that pill but that's the one that's going to help you when you're moving forward because when you take accountability it helps you to move forward because you don't have to keep looking back because you already owned your role in that you kind of learned the lesson that was there because we all need to learn things as human beings we go through things and I like to say we grow through things um hopefully people use it as a growth plate not everybody does but that's that's the point mm-hmm. so that I agree really with good. you I think I agree with you. You just touched on something that I touched on with my first story about the date with Mrs. Jones and Mr. Wright. Mm -hmm. And that was what was omitted to then tell you presentation versus true representation. Right. What was omitted? So there's two type of errors that you can make. You can make an error of omission or error of commission. You just said that. Right. So those are two type of errors you can make. Error of commission is something you did that you shouldn't have done. Error of omission is something that you should have done that you did not do, but you should have done. What happens is this, though. Most people know about the errors of commission. And so since they don't want to be accountable for making that decision and it be documented that it was done, they'll rather not do anything. Because when they don't do anything, it's like, hey, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. So they, they, they stay away from commission, but omission is also an error. You should have done something and you didn't. You're not off the hook, not at all. But again, there's two type of errors. Listen, same thing with action. Sometimes the action is not doing something. That is still an action. You've decided not to do something. That is your action, even though you didn't physically do it. Mm. I agree with that. Listen, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So I want to hit y'all with something else. I don't want to confuse you, but it's another acronym is C-P-C, right? Because I think it falls right in lines of errors of omission and commission. 
CPC. The first C stands for clue. P stands for pattern. And the last C stands for choice. I'm a person because I like to be on time. We were raised that way, be on time. So I like to be on time. So let's say I'm going on a date and I'm on time and I'm ready to go and, and my date is late. Well, the first time she's late, it's a clue. Mm -hmm. So I may not get all upset. You know, we we're just getting to know each other. She just so happened to be late. All right, cool. So we go on two or three more dates. And let's say she's late at each one of those dates. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, hold on. The first time she was late, it was a clue. But I mean, we this is about the third day. She's late every time. This is at some point become a pattern. At the point it becomes a pattern, I have to make a choice. That's the final C. So what will my choice be? My choice can be to just express to her that, hey, I really don't, you know, I really struggle with being late. You know, I was always raised to be on time. I could share that. Another choice could be I could just avoid it altogether, just let it be what it's going to be. Another choice could be I could say to her, hey, I would like, you know, can you can you do your best to be on time, whatever. Doesn't mean it will happen, but I could share that. Or another choice could be I can just start showing up late. I ain't got to be on time. If she's late, I could just be late too. I, I don't have to be there. And then guess what? When I'm showing up late, she may just be on time. It'd be perfect. There's things I could do. So the reason I say that to everyone here is sometimes when we have a problem, we make it seem like it's the other person with the problem. It's not. They may just be doing their natural thing. You know, you know, y'all, you, you, you're a woman and you have, you know, um, women listeners. And so, you know, y'all do a lot of prepping to get ready to be on dates. So yes, y'all might be getting it all together and you may be late. And, and so if that's the case, and, and there's a pattern there, I just need to pay attention to that and adjust because you don't have the problem, I do. I'm the one that's you. uncomfortable with it, right? I'm the one that don't like it. Right. The woman's showing up, she feel good about it. She's good, she got it all together, she's ready. And, and I'm sitting there pissed, like, God, I've been waiting 25 minutes, you right? So I had to learn that CPC, clues, patterns, and choices. Just know you have that in life, women and, and, and listeners. Clues, patterns, and choices. You see someone two times, it's a clue. Don't make it true. It's a clue. But after you see it a numerous times, at some point it becomes a pattern. And then you need to make a choice, right? Whether it's have a conversation, whatever you feel you need to do, but just understand who has the who really has the problem. It's the person that's challenged with it, not the person that's showing up late. They they are who they are. And mm -hmm. can we accept them for who they are, how they are, where they are is the question. Mm -hmm. Do we do that with people? Mm -hmm. Because some people are just naturally late. They weren't, that's just, it's, it's just how they are. It's not personal. Just mm -hmm. understanding that. That goes decrease back to accepting. Offenses. Yeah, decrease your offensive. Being offended mm -hmm. by things that's not about mm -hmm. you. Like you said, the girl just getting ready. And then also it made me think back to Maya Angelou when they say, when people show you who they are, believe them. Sometimes we just be in disbelief thinking, that they will be different and that you can't change people that don't want to be changed. They have to be ready for acceptance and ready to change on their own. You can't force upon them um, to change because that's a form of manipulation. So then you fall into, like you said, the one that's having the problem because you're trying to change them and they don't want to be changed. They are happy but you, with where they are. Absolutely. But what do we do? We project it onto them and say they had the problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're the one upset. They're mm -hmm. fine. They're going through their life. They're living their day. Everything is great. We're the one upset. So we start to either, it could be viewed as complaining. It could be viewed as nagging. It could be viewed as always having something to say. It, it, we don't know how they view it, but really we're the ones that are struggling with something. We're the ones struggling with it. 
And so that being the case, when we talk about accountability and taking ownership, we cannot be mad at them for being them. We have to decide, can we accept them for who they are, how they are, where they are? And mm. that's what our responsibility is. And another thing that's our responsibility is to not look for the wrong thing, but to focus on doing the right thing. Because as long as I'm in a relationship and I'm focusing on doing the right thing and not looking for the wrong thing, the wrong thing will pop. I don't have to look for it. I don't have to put my energy looking for the con artist. All I have to do is focus on doing the right thing and be accountable for what I'm doing. And in time, you will, it will manifest. You will see through the paint. Mm. You'll see through it. Mm. Now, again, what are base or base? It depends on how good they are. But you back when we was talking, you was telling, uh, I think we were sitting down and we was talking about the tie coming in and who's going to come in clothed and who's not. What what, what was that Mm -hmm. little phrase you had right there? Oh, we were talking about um, it was around the pandemic time. And I was telling you that financial in nature was the conversation. And it was about how we live our lives, right? Spending and Sometimes we're over leveraged and a lot of that goes on and you can't really tell because again, presentation is not always a true representation. You know, financially, we look like we're in a great space, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're ever on the beach and you're looking out into the water and everybody's in the water swimming around, you can't tell who's clothed and who's not. You can't tell because they're all in the water. Head, you you see them from the head down. I'm sorry, you can just see it from the head up, neck up. And you can't tell who's clothed and who's not clothed. But when that tide go out and that water go out into the ocean, that tide go out, you get a chance to see who's covered and who's naked. Mm -hmm. You get a chance to see that. Mm -hmm. And financially, sometimes we're painting a picture, back to artistry, we're painting a picture of wealth. We're painting a picture of being well off. We're painting a picture of having everything we want and and living our best life. And then that tide goes out because that money shut down. COVID came, pandemic, it shut everything down. And then we got a chance to see who was covered and who was naked. Imagery is very powerful. And sometimes people paint a picture, but it's not a true representation of what's going on. It's not. A lot of people, when you think about finances and where we are as a people as a whole, is we're striving for financial security. A lot of people are not even financially secure, but we, we, we strive for that. So let me give you context of what I mean by financially secure. Uh, having debt, but understanding what that debt is, how you're going to deal with it. You know, having six to nine months of uh, emergency plan money, just in case another dollar don't come in for six to nine months, ideally 12, but let's just say six to nine. If you have that as emergency, but having that part of financially secure, right? Knowing what your debt is, being able to control your debt and be able to deal with your debt, know how you're going to deal with it, have a plan for it financially secure. Most people are not there yet. But then there's another level called financially independent, Mm -hmm. which takes you beyond secure. And ultimately, after you get to secure, I want to start the conversation of how we become financially independent. What does that mean? Independent meaning very little debt. And -hmm. if there is debt, it's because the debt is paying you money. So it's considered to be good debt, maybe real estate, things like that financially independent where your assets make enough money to pay you so you don't have to work for anybody else. You're financially independent because your assets pay you enough that your salary is no longer needed. 
for someone else. But that's a different conversation. But I thought about that when we just talked about the tide going out. Real right. quick, you know, we were just raised about budgeting and saving and, you know, live below your means and all that. And, you know, that's something we live by. So I'm listening. So I hope some of the people here understand that start saving for those crunch times. The pandemic taught people that. So at least three to six months, if you can put that up of your lifestyle, and sometimes you got to cut things out. I think when I went back for my master's degree to get my anesthesia, you know, that was a full-time go back to school. And, um, you know, I had the home and all that type of stuff. So I had to rebudget, re-switch things because I wanted to be able to live uh, comfortably while in school and not really have to work and then deal with it later and then pay it down. People just don't understand the thought process that goes on when you're trying to move forward in life. Sometimes you might have to go in debt temporarily to pay for your future. And then the future would then be able to pay off the debt that you just went through. So people don't see what you're going through at the time, but then you get to the end, they like, oh, now we see what she was doing. So sacrificing, budgeting, thinking ahead, and not always being in the moment with your money. Sometimes we make quick decisions. Um, I'm trying to think what that is. It's a phrase people use sometimes where they say um, you make quick decisions but it has long-term consequences or something like that. But always just think when you're making quick decisions, you know what I mean? This may have a, a, a effect, an ill effect on you long-term if you're not very smart about what you're doing. So always kind of think ahead about, do I need this? Should I do this? Is this important? Because then... You know, I, I agree with you. Um, I know <clears throat> we didn't think this was to go financially, but I think it still goes to the true representation. I think we're still in the same vein, the presentation, right? If your outgoing is more than your income, then your upkeep is going to be your downfall. And so just think about it in that way. When I'm talking to people about finances, I, I usually start with that quote because that's real. If your outgoing is more than your income, then your upkeep is going to be your downfall. And that's real. So I'm going to go ahead and give people a PPP loan right now. The first piece starts for planning. The second piece starts for process. And the last piece uh, stands for um, persistence. Because if I'm planning and I'm following the process and I'm persistent, you can get to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. And that's the only PPP loan that we give it. And the reason I call it a loan is because to give it to you, I don't lose it. I don't lose what's been shared. When me and you share information with each other, we don't lose it once we share it. We loan it out to someone else to loan it out to someone else. So that's what I would say, at least from a financial standpoint, because we mentioned COVID pandemic. I say, how do I stay in that vein? Let me let me keep it going. You know, I like to use analogies, PPP loans. You know, they were spread widely. That's the only one I'm giving. Mm-hmm. You plan trust the process, you trust the metamorphosis. Right. We just keep right. talking. And it goes back to foundation and work. I mean, it all goes together. And so, you yeah. know, we're going to get ready to wrap this thing up because we gave people something. So, you know, Rob, in closing, what you want to say to the viewers? And then we're going to close this out because I thought this was a good conversation. I would say this. Everyone should look up imposter syndrome and what that means. Um, and that we should sometimes we think we're not deserving of what's happening. Sometimes we're in rooms we don't think we should be in. Meaning like, we don't think we're qualified and value ourselves to be like, no, you should be in this room having this conversation with this group of people. You should be associated at this level. Sometimes we question that, like, man, do I know enough? Should I be here? 
there's times that we get in relationships and we may meet somebody that's really good and we'll ask ourselves, do I deserve to be with this person? It, do, I, do I bring value to them? I, I see what they got on their plate. I see what they're bringing to the table. Should I be here in this relationship? Do I deserve it? Yes, you do deserve to be with somebody good. Imposter syndrome is real. It is and real, the reason man. I say that, if you don't believe who you are, you don't know what value you add. How can somebody else tell you what you're worth? You know how you talked about um, putting in the work. Putting in the work is a requirement for you to grow and reach your full potential. And so there's times where we haven't been putting in the work. So when we're in certain rooms and we're connected to certain people, imposter syndrome kicks in and we don't think we deserve to be there because we haven't been putting in that work. But if you've been putting in that work, I guarantee you, you feel like you should be there. You start mm -hmm. to question, should they be here? Because I know I should be here. I done put the work in. It's real. It's real. And I'm going to leave it like this because you, you're asking me to close out is that a relationship is about multiplication and not addition. See, I'm going to tie this math in because it all goes together. A relationship is about multiplication and not addition. So what do I mean? One healthy person times one healthy person equals one healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. But one healthy person plus 0.5 of a healthy person one and a half relationship, that's not true. That's not the way it go. Oh, or are we going to do 0.5 of a healthy person with 0.5 of a healthy person going to give you one healthy relationship? No. A relationship is about multiplication, not addition. Because if you're one healthy person times 0.5 of a person, then you got 0.5 of a healthy relationship. No. Oh, no. Mm. It's about multiplication. So back to, to your point of doing your work, when you do your work, so you're complete, you're complete, you're the one, you're a one. And you meet somebody that's a one and y'all times that thing, you get one healthy relationship. That's what you want. It's about multiplication and not addition. You do not be, be a half a person. No, you're not where you need to be. And then you find somebody that's not where they need to be and half and half gonna give you one. It's not addition. This is not what we're doing. We're doing multiplication. Not addition, it's multiplication. We teaching the right. baby how to add and multiply. Listen, it's not about addition, it's about multiplication. I think that's a mic drop. I think we gonna just end it right there and tell you guys, thank you so much for listening. We're gonna say thank you, Robert, for coming. We're gonna say level up your intentional queen to a better you. You know, the podcast drops every other Thursday. This episode will be playing, as we said, during that Halloween time. So I feel like we said presentation is not always a true representation make sure y'all look up imposter syndrome we gave you some pearls we thanking you for being with me for a year and if you're a new listener we thank you for coming we want you to screenshot listening to the podcast i am on instagram at intentional queen journey the website is www.intentionalqueenjourney.com and as i always say thank you and bye-bye mm -hmm.